0: Hey guys, it's your girl Ashley Graham and you are listening to Business Life and Coffee Podcast with your boy, Joey Price. Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the Business Life and Coffee Podcast. We are joined here by a world-traveling financial literacy leader and entrepreneur, Aaron Velke, who is in charge of the Ortis Academy. He's actually the president uh, and they're located in Baltimore, Maryland. I love a good local success story, but Aaron, could you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and the Academy?
1: Happily. Uh, well, first, thanks for having me. Um, what we do at Ortis Academy is develop programs uh, and games and discussions that push students, whether they are young or old, towards a healthy relationship with money. And... You know, Given our culture, especially with consumerism at an all-time high, with debt climbing and with, with credit cards seemingly more and more, uh, I guess, utilized or underutilized in our society, we are uh, we're trying to find bridges that help people, just people in general, get a better grasp of their money and, and the way they perceive it, the way they feel about it, because money is a, a really big tie to health and we want people to feel healthy.
0: Why is money
1: a tie to health? So there's a really interesting study that this group did that I think illustrates that that connection really well. So they asked individuals that had really, really high net worth uh, to take a test, and they asked individuals that didn't to take a test, and the scores were about the same. And then they uh, sort of positioned them where they had an expense that popped up, and they they were connected to all these wires, and they were were monitoring their, their physiology, and When someone with a high net worth was given the challenge of an expense that popped up, their physiology did not change much, and when they retook the test, their scores were about the same. But when the group with low net worth took the same test after that high-stress event, so to speak, happened, their test scores plummeted. And it's, it's just something that we tend to take for granted, that the stress that comes from managing money or not having enough or not understanding what to do next really affects the rest of our lives. And and we want students to develop that healthy relationship. And I I use those words specifically because uh, money is a tool, money is energy, and we want the right, uh, I guess, emotions and understandings to go underneath that so that there's not that stress, there's not that urgency that creates um, poor decision-making and challenges for these young adults.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's so crucial what you're talking about. Uh, it does make sense that there's the tie with health and money. And I can think practically of maybe the the kid who uh, finds out that their parents don't have enough money for a field trip, or if their parents drive them in the school and there's a flat tire and the the parent is asking or just upset that they can't they don't have enough money to make ends meet because they now have this, this tire. I can see that practically playing out on, on grades and, and the outlook that a student might have as far as their education is concerned.
1: Absolutely. And, and when I was a kid, my parents said no to a lot of shoes. Right, I, I grew up where shoes were cool and, and my parents said no a lot. and uh, like What stemmed from that certainly was a, a health aspect. But then when I got older and I started earning, I went and bought shoes. So, like, there was that rebound effect that because I wasn't educated, because no one helped me understand it, no one showed me, no one let me make mistakes and learn uh, w- without drastic consequences. As soon as I started earning, I made, I made a ton of them. I made a ton of mistakes.
0: Yeah. So you bring up a great point that your, your parents had the right idea in place of saying no to shoes, but maybe there wasn't that educational why. And so without that... Uh, you can later go on and, and buy all the Jordans and, and LeBrons and, and, and nice tennis shoes that you want, uh, but the lesson isn't there. So I think that's pretty cool that your organization, Ortis Academy, actually provides the lesson on why why stocks and not sneakers.
1: <laughs> right, right. And, and what's interesting, Joey, about all of that is that we try to envelop all of these different things that, that tie with money, right? So you certainly have investing, you certainly have saving and budgeting and all these things. But what what ends up happening in school is that we're, we're looking at an antiquated system. And so the teachers stand, the, su- the students sit, and they're expected to absorb and, and find context in, like, words, right? Words on a board uh, or, or listening. And... Our approach has been how can we find ways for kids to fail faster? How can we find a way for them to make mistakes faster so that what they're learning is like in vitro, right? It's, it's, it's real and it's contextual for them so that the takeaway is I learned this because I did this. And that's a whole lot different than our model today that's very much like, well, me as a teacher, I will tell you this and then you should learn X, Y, Z. And so we, we start with a game, we end with a game, and in the, in the middle, when we have something to relate to, that's when the real magic happens. That's when these really cool discussions come up of, wow, I never knew this, or I never thought about this, or, hey, how come? And so the games that we play, they, by design, they are to allow students to make mistakes, feel confident, feel those mistakes and that's how real life is when it comes to money money is not simple enough to where you can just make a mistake and fold your hand you've got to figure out how to how to recover
0: yeah and that's a truly a lifelong skill that's important i mean one of the books that was very eye-opening for me and unfortunately i read it um it had to have been in my my mid-20s uh was rich dad poor dad and yep. it's one of those foundational books for anyone that's that's looking for a, a new and healthy perspective on money. But uh, we don't have that type of education in schools. And I mean, you are talking about the concept of, you know, we, we give students a lot of words and they have to find context in it. That kind of reminds me of that Chinese proverb or I think it's a Chinese proverb. A lot of good things that are said are our uh, Chinese proverbs, but but uh, <laughs> it says uh, you know, tell me and I'll forget, show me and I might remember, but involve me and I'll understand. I yep. mean, you know, it's it's so important. Whatever, whatever we do with with kids, if our students, uh, if we want them to learn it, they've got to be involved in it.
1: One hundred percent agree. That that quote is on our website for very good reason, and we've we've taken a lot more time developing something that will involve students that we, you know, we, we could have launched in three months, we might have been able to launch in four months, but we spent way, way longer than that to develop a product that would involve students because it's about them, right? They're, they're primary in our business and they're they're our primary focus, so it should be about involving them.
0: No, that's a, a good entrepreneurial sort of takeaway that I want to drill down on a bit is, um, you actually spent more time releasing something versus just trying to go ahead and get it out. Could you could you talk a little bit about that process and and some of the the successes you were able to have in launching uh, with with more quality associated with it?
1: Sure. So uh, I think as as many entrepreneurs will either have learned or should learn are. Our, our delay in launching just came from more failure so we we tried to live by that same mantra can we fail faster so we built the map program the map program sucked and we knew we had to redesign it so we just kept asking the right questions i think and and it takes a while to get to where you're asking the right questions but to build a superior product or to build a product that is really honed in on the end user i, I think it takes the right questions and for for us that was Okay, if kids are learning math and they don't know where it's going, right? If they don't understand what the point is, then what is the point, right? If, if we can answer that question, then we're on to something because the school system hasn't answered that question. Um, and I don't even think they've answered it for themselves, let alone for the students. So we spent hours answering that question What is the point? And when we really, really dove in deep, the, the math. The, the underlying numbers behind all of that. There are certainly some, some jobs that, you know, like statistician or some, some finance analysis or, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, looking at these really, really heavy number-crunching type of positions. Uh, analysis is probably the, the most blanket term for those. Uh, they're going to use math because of math, but everyone else is going to use math because of money. And here we have this, this underlying energy that, that flows through our, our capitalism and flows through our, our DNA as a culture, and we're not, we're not even talking about it. We're not even making sense of it, uh, I guess pun intended. Mm-hmm. And through that, you know, what we have is these, this, this system that is now starting to feel this, these symptoms of a very, very entrenched disease, right? So we've got credit card debt at an all-time high. We've got student loans that are capsizing the ability for a young adult to ever earn their way out of it. We've got uh, low house purchases. We've got all these, all these things are happening, and we're looking at them as though they are the disease. This is a problem, this is a problem, this is a problem. But for, for me in, and in my perspective, in my shoes, they're, they're just symptoms of a disease. We are failing to educate our kids on the way the world works. The world has changed since vocational trades, So the school system, therefore, is antiquated. And we're, we're not preparing them for what the real world is, the, the investment side, the, the capitalism of what entrepreneurs do, how you solve a problem, what it means to earn, how do you get a raise, how do you ask for something better in your life, how do you work and, and find happiness, where do, you, where do you go when you need answers, right? These are things that inside the world of money are either these monolithic companies that are huge and, and, and almost scary, or there, we just live in a state of ignorance and that's, that's not a very healthy relationship, right? I don't want to feel like I'm nervous to go into a big company and say, can you help me? And I also don't want to feel like I know absolutely nothing. And we're just trying to be that point where we can say, okay, we're going to move you from a state of ignorance at the very bottom to a state of learning where you're, you now understand what it will take, that you're, you're open to these ideas and you're, you're integrating some of this new knowledge into your life. And when you get there, then you can start making changes and asking better questions. And that's, that's really what we want the kids to do.
0: That's incredible, Aaron. Walking, walking students through financial literacy as opposed to just throwing a book at them or throwing a lecture or a lesson, that's, that's extremely incredible. And, you know, I, it, it might be controversial to say, but I, I think that massive student loans are actually a death sentence. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a death sentence in the sense that, you know, you can't live your best life if pin 20% of your paycheck is going to a degree that, or paying for a degree that you may not even use anymore, you didn't even value, uh, or it may not apply to your work. Um, but that's the reality of so many of our peers, and that was my reality for a while until I said, okay, I got to knock out this student loan debt, because mm-hmm. without being able to clear that hurdle, like you said, we're seeing the symptoms of low home ownership, of, of high rentals, and, of course, media and, and various industries are positioning this as, a, as a trends, right, as fads, like, more, more people are craving uh, a- apartments versus home ownership and uh, more people are choosing public transportation versus cars. But it's because we can't afford it. <laughs> it's not necessarily mm-hmm. a preference. You know, the research will show that you know, it's harder to, to make a living and be successful uh, this day and age versus our parents' day and age. And so there are so many financial factors that compound that. And make it harder, um, so that's why I love, love, love what you're doing for students. So, maybe our generation may have been misled into taking on all this student debt as a as a ticket to freedom, when really it's a death sentence. But the students that grow underneath you um, will be a little bit more savvy and be able to live their best life.
1: Well, I certainly hope that you know in the next five years. So it's it's you know quarter three 2017 my hope is that in the next five years there are some major structural changes in college and, and the way universities are run my hope is that that bubble bursts we've we've failed our students when when one in three in a six-year span are finishing college and getting a, a job inside of their degree something is wrong and and so we've we've got to start looking at things like this and and looking at what they're taking away um it, it's it's really tough. So, you know, inside of our business, we want a lot of students to be able to, to grow their potential and, and find their way. And
0: it's getting harder and harder
1: to recommend college when we look at the numbers and stats of, of kids that are faced with these choices of, like you said, massive debt being a death sentence and then what their other options are. And, and to me, it's also the best time in the, in the history of the world to, like, start up a company uh, yeah. and solve a problem. And if we're not teaching kids how to solve problems and think critically, education has failed.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. Now, Aaron, and again, for those listening, we're joined by Aaron Velke. He is the president of Ortis Academy. Uh, Aaron, what's the website where people can learn more about Ortis?
1: So just our name, uh, ordisacademy.com. that's O-R-T-U-S, uh, that is Latin, uh, and it sort of metaphorically means revolution.
0: Oh, nice. Revolution Academy. That's pretty sleek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, part of what we do with the Business Life and Coffee podcast is obviously share great stories about entrepreneurs that are making waves in their field. Uh, but we also want to connect with you on a personal level uh, because there are a lot of listeners that want to know things like how'd you get your start? What's been your biggest opposition? What tools are you using? What tips are you, uh, or what books are you reading? And um, so we're going to pivot into that part of the conversation, uh, just to, to tee that up for you. So I'd start with, uh, how did you get your start? How did you get your start in entrepreneurship?
1: Um, so I will recommend this path for anybody listening. Uh, I think the, the journey for me started with me freelancing. Uh, I was freelancing doing logos, I was doing graphic design, I was doing web work, I did Marketing, consulting, uh, personal training, uh, like uh, the list goes on. I did all these things, and this was outside of my nine-to-five, and two major, major things changed once I got doing this. And, and, uh, again, I recommend this for anybody that, even if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, it will change the way you treat your nine-to-five. It will change change the way you negotiate. But the first major takeaway was that uh, I was put in a position where my responsibility was to someone else, in a way that no one else could impact. If I was being hired to do art, it was my job. There wasn't a team around me. There wasn't anything like that. I had to figure it out. And it, it forced me to problem solve at a higher level. Uh, and the second was that I learned the strange nuances that come with business. Uh, as an example, I was doing personal training, and I was, I was training maybe 10 or 12 clients. I was charging $30 an hour, and you know, I was busy uh, 15, 16 hours a week. I was doing okay. I I liked it. And I got to a point where I knew that things were going to be challenging unless I changed my income platform. So uh, I I doubled my rate. I more than doubled it. I put it at $70 after a lot of reading, a lot of books. Now, I, I didn't do this without any kind of research, but nonetheless, it happened. And within two weeks, maybe three weeks, I had doubled the amount of clients. And you learn things like that when you freelance because pricing is one of those things that you as a freelancer assume a lot of things like if I go cheaper, I'll get more work. Or if, you know, I throw in more, uh, small things that someone can add on at different rates, someone will buy and be incentivized to spend more. And so you learn things like that. So I would, I would encourage people to do that. Uh, I did it. And then through that path, I just kept trying to find my line of best fit. But even now, as an entrepreneur with his, with a company that is doing some things very differently, I lean I lean on those skills a lot. So whether it's doing our own design in house or you know we did our own logo and, and things like that, they go a long way. Um, but entrepreneurship is just about solving problems. So anybody listening, what what is the biggest problem that you see? And if you can answer that with some clarity or answer with with many options, go at it. Take take a swing at it and uh, you know, we spend a lot of time building a solution to a problem that we think is really massive, and we don't have all the answers, but there are companies springing up left and right that have creative solutions, and it's really hard to just spring up with that. So if you get in the skill of solving someone else's problem, you start to notice problems better, and that's where the freelancing came in for me.
0: Aaron,
1: were you nervous about doubling your rate? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I assumed that... and. Yeah, I assume most of the people would leave and part of my strategy was, well, if half leave, I'll still make the same amount of money, right? If I'm, if I'm charging 30, I go to 70 and I have half the clients, but I've doubled my rate. It's the same. Uh, and so it ended up working out in my favor cause I, I, I blossomed under it. But what, what changed was that people assumed that because I was priced at a higher rate, I was more valuable and that, that started with me knowing and asserting to myself that I was more valuable. That is an excellent
0: takeaway for our listeners. When you charge a higher rate, you're more valuable. I one of my pet peeves, I don't really share this on like Facebook or anything like that. I'm not a big social media ranter. But my pet peeve as an entrepreneur is when I when I see posts like hey, I'm looking for someone who provides this service, but I'm looking for someone that's really, really cheap.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That bothers me mm-hmm. for a few reasons. One, on one hand, you're basically saying, I want someone who is low quality, but at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to get low quality work and be disappointed in that low quality work. Then on the other hand, it it bothers me because... You're basically saying, "Hey, I'm trying. I'm looking for someone who has committed their life or is committing their time to do something that I need and that I find valuable, but I'm not willing to pay the value that it it is ultimately worth." So I hate right. when people try to lowball on social media. That just really grinds my gears. And I'm like, do you know how hard it is to be an entrepreneur? And do you know that uh, you know it's not just about being a successful, a successful business owner is not just about you know the, the time it takes to, to service you, but it's it's the bills you have to pay to keep the lights on and the marketing you have to do and the business cards you have to order. Like all that goes into a rate uh, and, and on top of that the value uh, of the service. So I love the lesson you have of just doubling your rate uh, and, and that you were successful in actually blossoming with that.
1: Well, my, my business partner, Josh Massey has a really good pivot to me all the time. Uh, he says the three things that you can have, you can have quality, you can have it done quickly, or you can have it cheap. Pick two, right? So you can have quality and fast. Absolutely. You're going to pay for it though. You can have it fast and cheap, but you're going to lack quality. And if you want it cheap and quality, it's not going to be fast <laughs> right, <you're> <laughs> take forever. So it's a really good kind of proposition to, to go with and, yeah. uh, I think a very healthy reflection of, of what we do. And, and I also think that we've, we've got a messed up culture. So I I try to be an example of this, I guess. If my friends are starting a business, I'm the first to buy. Yeah. And I don't, I don't call them and say, Hey, I want a discount. I say, Hey, what do you charge for it? I'm in. And sure. I have the means to do that. And, and there's some, some truth to that. But at the same time, like if it's between me buying a new t-shirt, And me supporting a buddy of mine that wants to start a class on educating people about coffee, dude, I'm all about it, man. Let's, let's, let's build your dream. Let's go. So there's also that misnomer of, well, it's my buddy. So I want to, I want to get the discount. I want to get the in. Um, and so I, I try to encourage, I would encourage everybody listening. Like if you have friends that are starting their own company, uh, pay $25 for the $20 shirt because it it goes a long way.
0: And that's awesome. That's incredible and i would uh, also challenge people you know if if you don't think what aaron is saying is true and if you don't think that your your friends who are starting a business if if you think they won't appreciate that try uh try posting on facebook and saying hey i want to i need to go to the er who is the the cheapest doctor i can find <laughs> 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 see how that works out for you um, yeah you know, hey, Support your small business owner friends. Support your entrepreneurial friends. It really means a whole bunch. Uh, so so Aaron, what are you? What are some of the books that you're reading? What what uh, what book have you read lately?
1: Oh man! Uh, so the the one I'm on now is called Anti-Fragile. I uh, would highly recommend it for athletes, for entrepreneurs, for teachers, uh, for individuals looking to grow. Uh, really fascinating. Study and anecdotes on this idea that something fragile breaks under pressure and something that is anti-fragile becomes stronger under pressure and duress, uh, which is a really fascinating theory. Um, another book I recommend is called The Originals, great book on what creativity means, how entrepreneurs got their start, some of the things we hedge and, and ways we assuage from risk. Uh, creativity Inc. was another great book. Um, you know, for for those that are among the creatives as entrepreneurs, uh, of which I think I belong, the War of Art is a great book. Uh, for a topic about money, The Richest Man in Babylon is a, is a great, simple book along the lines of rich dad, poor dad. Very digestible and and uh, actionable as well. Uh, I, I read all the time, and um, you know, my my book topics range from money to education to sports to mentality to Mm -hmm. spirituality all these things so um mind gym is another one m-i-n-d uh mind gym is a great one i recommend it to all my young athletes but it's great for anybody that is going to require mental fortitude in their line of work which nowadays everybody should have mental fortitude in their line of work um so the, the list can go on i can do this all day
0: yeah Well, hey, we're going to list those books up there uh, on the show notes of the podcast. And I have read two of the uh, six books that you listed here. Um, I'm very curious about The Anti-Fragile. That sounds exciting. Um, I've read The War of Art, and I love The Richest Man in Babylon. I love that, that one of the things I like about The Richest Man in Babylon is that it's so simple. The knowledge is so simple. But the way that the story is written and the fact that it's antiquated, it just shows that it, there's timeless knowledge that no matter what era you're in, what financial pressures you're up against, there's some principles that ring true no matter what. Um, and that, I really love that about The Richest Man in Babylon.
1: Well, it's, it's funny, too. I mean, this is, this is like the, the foundation of our business, right, at Ordis Academy. It doesn't need to be so complicated. If you understand the basics, then the other stuff you can learn. Um, And so, riches man in Babylon, I think, is a a great example of here are the basics. You don't even have to venture from here. If you figure this stuff out, you're good. You're going to be okay, and you'll have the the means to take on other risks in other ways whenever you so choose. But you've got to get these basics down, right? We don't learn to uh, we don't learn to like first jump out of an airplane so that we can then land and walk. We just crawl. Right. So I feel like the approach nowadays when we finish school or get a job is like, okay, you are now out of the plane. We hope that you hit the ground running. Uh, we hope that the parachute works. We hope we're going to help a lot of things. And, uh, we we haven't helped anybody, uh, figure out how to crawl or walk yet. Yeah,
0: that's so true. I mean, I, I spoke at Morgan state university this past Saturday and I told them how college is the la- its your last line of defense when it comes to people that are, whose job it is to actually help you succeed. And once you're an adult, I mean, you're on your own. There are blogs, there are books, there's material, there are sessions, there's workshops, but you have to take the initiative. Um, so so, with all that being said, um, I, I I thank you for being on the show, and I thank you for the work that you're doing in our in the students' lives. And, um let's let's leave out on a, on a fun note what are you uh, what are you most excited about within the upcoming month whether it's something you're working on or an event you're going to attend uh, or getting back to the golf course I know you're, uh, you're you're golfing now but what are you what are you most excited about in the next uh, upcoming month
1: we will be in some different schools this fall and, and it's always really exciting to get in front of new kids and, and help open their eyes uh, but I think even even simpler than that uh i try to go day by day and when when you run a company you have all kinds of variables that are coming at you you know there's there's punches that could dealt, and you have to kind of adapt pretty readily uh so what has been most exciting is to be around people that are interested in being a part of our company uh we've had lots of individuals so it's, it's certainly from the outside might look like I'm pulling all the strings and, and, and the pulleys, but we've got an awesome team and we are bringing on some new people. And when we talk about impact and, and building new methods, new means for us to change the lives of, of young adults, um, these particular people have really supercharged me. And I'm already pretty like a, like energized when I get up. But these particular individuals have really been energizing and, I think, our next plateau, our next platform, our, our next online uh, sort of foundation that will then foray into apps and games and all these other things that, that help us grow are really a part of the team that we're building. So I, we just go one day at a time, but I'm super stoked to have such a great team behind me.
0: That's awesome. And if people are listening and they want to be involved, can they get that information on your website?
1: Absolutely. So if you go to our website, it's www.ortusacademy.com. That's O-R-T-U-S. Uh, there's links there if you want to become a volunteer where we run our, our special financial literacy learning game in schools. They can volunteer for that. Uh, if they're interested in, in getting even more involved as an intern or in any other capacity, they can go to the contact us form and, and submit something there. So we are, we are always welcome to new individuals that, that want to be a part of a, of a shift in culture
0: Awesome, well again Aaron thanks for having for having the time to come on the show and we'll talk again soon
1: Thanks for having me Joey All right.
0: If you've recently started a business why take away time from what you're good at only to focus on difficult pesky HR problems Jumpstart HR LLC offers a better solution Jumpstart HR provides HR outsourcing support to US based small businesses and startups and was recently ranked among the top 10 HR outsourcing firms in the country according to businessnewsdaily.com. From recruitment to employee handbooks to legal compliance, Jumpstart HR helps you get peace of mind about the people in your business. Visit jumpstart-hr.com for more information or follow on Twitter at Jumpstart HR.
1: Jumpstart HR. Let's build a better business together.